So, my dear brothers and sisters, you're very welcome to uh, this Holy Mass. For all of our locals or our regulars, uh, the chapel is presently full of lots of Irish seminarians, uh, which is a real privilege to have them here on retreat uh, this weekend. And as providence would have it, the readings in the Gospel are about priesthood and actually a warning to priests about not being superficial about not doing what they do for, for attention, for glory, about not doing what they, what they do for themselves, but always keeping in mind the, the, the bigger picture. You know? It's not saying that we shouldn't have priests. It's not saying that there's something wrong with the priesthood. It's saying there's something wrong with, with seeking one's self as a priest. You know, uh, everything they do is done to attract attention, like wearing broader phylacteries and longer tassels, <clears throat> like wanting to be wanting to take the places of honour at banquets or the front seats in synagogues, being greeted obsequiously in market squares and having people call them rabbi. So this idea that, that uh, the, the, the scribes and Pharisees at the time, at the Lord's time, so the priests of the Lord's time, there was vanity. There was vanity, there was, there was self-seeking, there was superficiality. Now again, he's not saying, therefore we do away with the priesthood. He's saying that pure, the priesthood needs to be purified. Priesthood needs to be purified. By all means, we need priests, but focus on the Lord. Focus on the Lord. A teacher friend of mine uh, was organizing a careers day in her school. So she brought in a nurse and she brought in an engineer and uh, a firefighter and a few other things just to give their, their presentation of their, their work and their lifestyle and their formation and how they uh, got to their, to their present working position. And afterwards, a fairly informal survey was taken amongst the students as to what career path they'd like to take. So again, they've seen an engineer, they've seen a teacher, they've seen a, a nurse, they've seen someone else, a firefighter. And do you know what the number one career path that modern fifth years wanted to take was? An influencer. That wasn't even a job when I was a child. You know, an influencer, the number one job, the number one career that they were looking for was an influencer. Now, firstly, they actually haven't a clue what that, what that actually entails, right? Uh, they, 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 they see these videos on YouTube or TikTok or whatever else it is, and the videos are generally shot fairly info. I'm no expert now. I don't really watch a lot of these things, so just I'm, from, correct me if I'm wrong, okay? But from, as far as I understand it... Um, it's a fairly informal thing. So a person is shooting this video normally from their house, often from their bedroom, deliberately so. So you see their, you know, th their life in the background. So they look like ordinary people. That's, that's, it's very deliberate. So I'm these ordinary people, and I've been sponsored by La Roche-Posse. Is that a brand? Posse? I, whatever. <laughs> one, of the, one, of those, one of those moisturizer makeup people. Okay. Uh, so I've been sponsored by them to promote this product, and I find it really helps my cuticles and my upper lip and my whatever else it's supposed to help, right? Uh, and all this kind of thing. And they make millions from it when they have a sufficient number of followers. And so then these young people see this, this top 1% right, of influencers and the millions that they've made and say, that's what I want to do. All I have to do is wear makeup in my bedroom and I make millions. Sounds like a plan, right? It, sounds so, it looks so easy. It looks so easy. Incidentally, I have a, a friend who, who, who works in that kind of area, and he, said, he, he employs three other people, and he said it's so incredibly hard to stay relevant today. 
because there are, there are, you know, any sort of a little slip at all, you say something that's a little politically incorrect, there are thousands of other influencers grappling at your position. They all want to make it to the top. So it's very, very high pressured, far more than people realise, but that's beside the point. Young people want to be, many young people want to be influencers. They want to make a difference. Do you know what I mean? They want to do something where people say, I, I want to follow that person. I, I want to be... They want to make a difference in people's lives. They want to be known. And ultimately, I think they want to be loved. So this, this career path is, is very, very tempting. Priesthood. I guess, in a way, as priests, we're kind of the original influencers. We don't shoot videos from insides of our houses or bedrooms, but maybe from a chapel. But what's, what's the, the goal of an influencer? Well, hopefully to, to influence a person to do something. Our goal is to influence people, but not for some arbitrary reason, but to lead them to the Lord, to lead them to the truth, to lead them not to us. And that's, that's this balance that we have to maintain, because we are visible, but the goal is never to draw people to us. But this is the same in any kind of you know, business or, 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 or club. You, know, you need an organisational committee, you need a chair of that committee, but the goal of the committee and the chair is not to draw people into the committee, but to further the work of the, the club or association or business, whatever it is. But you still need, you need organisers, you need people with vision, you need leaders. So we find ourselves in this, in this kind of d- dilemma as priests, where we have to lead, but in a way kind of not be seen. We have to lead, but very quickly get out of the way. We have to lead people, but not to us. So we have to be kind of like signposts. You're kind of, kind of like, a, like an usher. Right? You're just leading people and showing the way, pointing the way to he who is the way, the truth, and the life. It's, it's, a, very, it's a very privileged position. It's a, it's a position that's often misunderstood today. And it's, it's a position that, dare I say, is actually quite under attack today. Where many might even say, do we need priests? Do we need priests at all? Our primary function, as we, as we spoke about yesterday, is the, the celebration of the Eucharist. And interestingly, the more we, we do what the liturgy asks us to do, so the more we follow the texts as they are written, and the rubrics, they're the bits written in red, uh, they, they're the instructions to what we're supposed to do with our hands, you know, it's, it's written there for us. The more we do that, the less attention we draw to ourselves. The more we make things up, the more attention we draw to ourselves. So actually, doing what the liturgy prescribes is like the safest way of celebrating the Mass well, but not drawing attention to yourself. The more we try and be inventive or innovative or something as regards the liturgy, the more we start to draw people to ourselves, and that's not the goal ever. We have to draw people to the Lord and get out of the way. I was at a retreat over the summer, and the retreat giver asked a question. It was the, the first session we had. And he said, are you weak enough to be a priest? I must say, I was kind of offended by the question. Are you weak enough to be a priest? I don't think we should be going around boasting about how weak we are. Like, hi, I'm a raging alcoholic. I mean, you know. Um, are you weak enough to be a priest? And I thought, where is he going with this? Like, this isn't exactly building us up, you know. Are you weak enough to be a priest? And he said, in all of Jesus' ministry, he's surrounded by people he chose who time after time show how weak they are. And scripture doesn't even try to, to polish it up or, or mask it in any way. 
The disciples get things wrong time after time. Lord, shall we, burn, shall we call down fire and brimstone upon them? James and John. You know, then Peter, just getting it wrong time. I mean, he was, he's, the, he's the king of, of, of major mess-ups. like. But he gets it right in the end. But he's, he's weak. St. Paul knows his weakness. He speaks about this thorn in the side that he's pleaded to the Lord to remove. But then he recognizes and admits, for it is when I am weak, it is then that I am strong. Why? Because the more we recognize our need for God, the more we hold on to him. The more we grab on to him, the more we're led by him and fed by him, the more we can give that to others. The more we rely on ourselves, then we give ourselves to others. But just mere human intelligence, mere human experience. And that's not what we're called to. We're called to be ministers of something quite beyond us. I, I just was just reading a, a quotation from St. John Christian this morning. Uh, it's quite wordy, but I think it renders the idea fairly well. For when you see the Lord sacrificed and laid upon the altar, and the priest standing and praying over the victim, and all the worshippers empurpled with that precious blood, can you then think that you are still among men and still standing upon the earth? You are not. On the contrary, you are straightway transported to heaven and casting out every carnal thought from the soul. Do you not, with disembodied spirit and pure reason, contemplate the things which are of heaven? Lofty kind of a quotation, but just this idea like that, that what we do in the celebration of the Holy Mass, like it's not of this world. Heaven and earth join, and what, what, what flows from this altar out upon the congregation like is, is Christ's very body and blood. You know, this isn't, it's not a mere gathering of the community. We come to worship. We come to be fed. We come to be present at this sacrifice, which is presided over by priests, fragile as we are. Uh, Saint Jose Maria Escriva writes people who say that priests are lonely are either lying or have got it all wrong we are far less lonely than anybody else for we can count on the constant company of the Lord with whom we should be conversing without interruption we are in love with love and the author of love Saint Jose Maria Escriva the beautiful quotations and yet as I say we, we hear these things as you know as seminarians or as priests we hear these things and we go uh-huh that's lovely not necessarily how I feel though you know I mean I don't feel up to that kind of uh I just feel unworthy unworthy centuries ago the Japanese who are wonderful philosophers they came up with this, this art form where they would take a vase or a plate or a cup and deliberately break it. They'd break the thing. So just like hit it strategically somewhere so it would shatter into a number of pieces. <coughs> they would then fuse it back together right, with something like gold. It's called kintsugi. This this art form of breaking something that was perfectly okay and then fusing it back together with gold so that the now repaired bowl or plate is more beautiful than it was before the breakage. 
And I think this is how many priests can or maybe even should live their priesthood. We know that we're jars of clay, but we're jars of clay that the Lord is trying to heal. We're jars of clay that the Lord is trying to repair and put back together so that when we are put back together, we're actually more, in a grace-filled sense, more beautiful than we were before, more useful than we were before. But those scars remain. And it's, it's, it's an interesting topic of conversation, a bit ominous maybe, to speak to people about their scars. Have you any scars, any major scars? You know, see people's scars on their hands if they were block layers or builders or see people's scars on their faces because they had older brothers or they were, they were full forwards playing intra-county. You know, and every scar has a story. I've got a massive scar from there the whole way around my back from lung surgery that I had when I was 14. And our scars tell stories. But our scars in, 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 our, in our priesthood, they tell stories too. They tell stories of the fact that we are battling, that we are trying, that we're, we're on a battlefield and it's, it's not always easy. And there are times of desolation and loneliness, there are times of, of overwork, there are times of frustration, there are times of just the brick wall of just nothing changing in the parish despite what I do. There are those occasions. There are those scars. But the Lord can heal them. The Lord can fuse them together and make of us something beautiful. Something more worthy. Something or someone that he can use to transmit his grace to souls desperately in need of it. And this is, this is the priesthood that we're called to unworthy as we are this is the priesthood that we're called to and as I keep repeating all this weekend this was his choice he chose you he instituted the priesthood this is all his idea so if he has chosen you he hasn't made a mistake he knows what he's doing our job is to rely on him always and to have a healthy understanding of our own need, a healthy understanding of our own fragility, and to rely on him for everything, and then we will lack nothing. So we ask the Lord today to renew his priesthood, to renew his priests, to lift up those who are lonely, those who are frustrated, those who have given up, we ask you, Lord, to, to heal all of those you have called into this wonderful vocation of service. Lord, may you call many more men, and especially in this year of vocations to diocesan priesthood, may you call many more to serve you in your vineyard for the building up of your kingdom and for the salvation of souls. Amen.